Hello everyone and welcome to Play the Ball podcast. My name is Neeraj and I'm joined by my friend Sai Prasad. In this episode, we will be talking about Madrid's bragging rights in the El Clasico, Manchester United's successful week, Barcelona's triumph in Italy and much more from the world of football. In the second segment, we are going to do our first ever match preview and it's the battle of the podcast hosts as Manchester United take on Arsenal at Old Trafford. Okay, first let's get started with the El Clasico. what uh, i thought was recently an entertaining one in recent days because it used to be a boring nil nil or you know one one draw and even messi hasn't scored in from open play in el clasico so what did you make of the game was it entertaining for you or was it just another boring game a fair point there because i think the last time there was actually a excitement factor in an el clasico was you know you uh, i'm sure the listeners must remember that as well the messi's last minute winner against madrid and that was when cristiano was there too so i think you have to go that far back to actually see an exciting el clasico with the same factor but yes compared to recent times it's been uh, it's been a joy to watch it's not spawn is not been like a vintage performance from way the teams but it was definitely end to end stuff at least for the most part of the game but um as we you know madrid claim the bragging rights they emerged 3-1 uh, uh, winners at camp nou that's a very important win and it is, and it's definitely going to reflect in the title race that's coming up uh, winning uh, uh, with a goal difference of two goals at camp nou is a such a massive boost and madrid kind of needed it they did have a kind of a slow week for the slow couple of match games including the champions league So it was something they needed, and they got it side. Yeah, I think it was a fair result, I would say, because uh, it it looked like you know Madrid had it under control because the Barcelona started the game really well. They had a beautiful goal from Ansu Fati where Messi put a through ball on top of the entire Real Madrid defense, and it was simple Alba cross and a beautiful finish by Ansu Fati. And uh, at that point of time, I knew that Barcelona were going to cruise and might even nick it because. Messi had a boat and 2.0 moment on Ramos as well but after some time they just switched off because they uh, they didn't have a great performance from Coutinho and their attack kind of fumbled a bit and uh, Real Madrid got a goal back and somehow after the long lay mistake it just looked like Barcelona were never going to come back in this game because that penalty was kind of harsh at uh, it looked like Ramos made the most of it and he earned the penalty but yeah that uh, that seemed to be a harsh penalty isn't it do you did you think yeah, that was a penalty I definitely agree with you say it's see that's the thing with VAR right we never know what we expect from you know the referees above so what may be a penalty in some other game may not be given a penalty in this game and this is the inconsistency that you know that's infuriating but it's kind of harsh but Ramos did take away the penalty really well yet again. I mean, he's he's been doing brilliantly well, Ramos, and he has had a great penalty conversion rate as well of late. I mean, I remember the time when people used to make fun of his missed penalty in a very important game, and now he is extremely reliable from the spot. But I, yes, I agree. It looks like it looked like Barcelona was going to take control. They did start off really well. Uh, but um, Madrid grew into the game, and especially after the, the sometime mid second half, when Zidane introduced Modric, 
he brought in the much needed composure and energy in the midfield midfield i thought valverde had a great game as well um so that's where barcelona lost the battle they lost the battle of midfield especially in the second half and the start said as well yes barcelona had more possession but madrid had more shots on goal and they had more shots on target as well nine nine shots on target out of 15 while barcelona had four out of 10 so the game did drift out of barcelona's hand and you did raise a very good point it's somewhere some, they missed that spark or they missed that intensity and energy that they needed they did make it up in the subsequent champions league game against Ju- juventus we'll come we'll talk more about it later on but that same spark was missing in this el clasico and yeah we are so yeah madrid yeah. came out deserved winners yeah the one thing which i'm positive about barcelona is the uh, the performance of serginio des at the right back role i think he completed more dribbles than messi in that particular game and that says something about the player uh, i thought he had a really good game from right back it showed some positivity from the barcelona recruitment team because they made a good right back signing that seems to be a promising performance from that young lad and yeah ansu fati being ansu fati is a good thing it just they are kind of building it for the future and i see much more positives from barcelona perspective in the future because of the young talents than madrid side because uh, i don't necessarily see the good spark under you know rodrigo or vinicius junior let's say so uh, yeah let's see uh, what do you think will this say about the la liga title race and where this la liga season is going to go oh i mean it's like it's, like i said earlier this win is going to this el clasico is going to play a big role in the coming days or in the coming months when it comes to the title decider it's not like it, barcelona especially did not have a great start of the season i think if i'm not wrong they are 13th in the table right now they do have two they are two games behind they have two games in hand but it's not been a great start they lost away at getafe then now this so they'll be hoping to get back on track but like you said i'm i have lots of faith in barcelona youngsters especially ansu fati i mean he looks like a generational player he looks like the real deal which i'm just hoping he just kicks on from here and you know keep his head down go up to the levels he can go he the kids got some serious talent so yeah i this la liga race depends a lot actually you never you never know because barcelona can be a bit hopeful because madrid seem to switch off at times like you said there is sometimes that lack of intensity or spark about madrid's attacks and does not help that hazard has been injured all the time basically literally all the time i don't know what's happening there i as far as i know hazard's injury record at chelsea was almost nothing it was barely anything and suddenly goes to madrid and that's all is been going through and i don't know what's happening there but zidane will be hoping he comes back fit they need to get something there are times when madrid looks lackluster they do look convincing in the el clasico but they need to do more especially in the final third vinicius is a good player but the end product part is still not coming yet it's not clicking as of now he's still young lots of time left no doubt he's going to be a good player but he needs to pick it up same with rodrigo as well it's going to be tight again but uh, let's see i think i think it's going to go even because i've seen yeah. both negative and positive sides from both the clubs 
and if atletico can actually use this situation to their advantage we are going to see a good title race in la liga this time yeah but you know i think i'm kind of uh, looking at it in the long term point of view because when you take madrid's example for now they just depend mainly on two players which is benzema and ramos to save them from both their defensive deficiencies and attacking deficiencies uh, and uh, barcelona will mainly rely on messi in the long run but if you ask me who are you going to you would be rather rely on for a title race i'm going to pick the best player of all time so i think in the long run barcelona are good to go i mean they will uh, go once messi starts firing because he's been not that great mentally i, I would say because uh it did not have a great start to this season according to his exceptional standards now that uh, bottom is no more in the club i hope there is some new breath of fresh air to that barcelona squad in the dressing room so they can pick the things but if you ask me the pieces which barcelona have look much optimistic than madrid and uh, i'm not sure how zidane is going to turn completely to his favor but he is known to do that man managing part but let's see how he does with hazard coming back to leave it so it's going to be a good title race to watch but yeah let's see where it goes yeah okay. i mean now that you mention it sai uh, bottom out i'm 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 assuming all the barcelona fans in the world are celebrating with joy throughout the week or months for months to come but now you mentioned the long term also right uh, the new president if i'm not wrong is not the biggest Roald Koeman fan, and he does want to bring Xavi back in the club, so that also matters a lot. Um, yeah, yeah. I'm just saying about this particular season, though. Like in this particular season, when you look at the long-term the, point of view, this particular say when the season is 20 games into the run, yeah. uh, that's when you see Barcelona being much better position than Madrid, because uh, even Madrid more rely more on the individual brilliance of two people who I don't think can be relied on a 38 game. season so yeah so yeah let's see is looking to shape up to be a exciting la liga title race so next up we'll talk about the flagship game of this particular game week where chelsea faced united at old trafford it ended up in a nil nil draw uh, which to me was a pretty boring match to be honest probably the boring match i've seen in this premier league till now uh did you better differ with any Anything. No, I can't. I can't, you know, say anything about it because actually, uh, one of my mates did actually call this Chelsea United match is going to be a drab affair. To be fair, the re- there have been recent over the last few years Chelsea United matches do tend, you know, end up being a draw. Either it'll go Chelsea's favor, favor, or United will win, will win at home, or it's going to be just a dull nil-nil or one-all draw. so that's been the trend right and this time it's kept up it's been like that and no you're not completely wrong it's i think the game was very surprising in the i think it took ole also by surprise because when i saw the lineup and i saw james and mata starting i thought okay you know what uh, ole is expect you know with the firepower that chelsea has 250 million pound attack uh so yeah, i think you would have expected chelsea to go all out to you know take the attack to united and so that united can yeah, hit them on the counter hit them on the break but it's been it's been anything but that to be honest yeah chelsea did have lots of the ball towards the mid of first half but 
there is nothing there was nothing from chelsea there was nothing from united in the first half there's nothing from united as well the first 30 minutes is forgettable to be honest like you said the last 15 minutes did united did come up with some shots on target they did threaten chelsea's goal more but yeah there's not much to say from the first half i was very surprised with how chelsea was set up i was not surprised they went with the back three with all the defensive problems but silva coming back helped them a lot and uh, it's yeah they basically set them out to you know to actually take united's game plan to themselves to you know hit try to hit them on the counter with have the pace of havertz werner pulisic up, up front in the second half chelsea did have faces here and there but it was mostly united who was attacking i mean it was still a fair result but if i had to take between the two teams united deserved a lot better they did do enough to get the three points i mean for all the goalkeeping troubles i with all the controversies about kepa uh, they finally do finally we did get to see a masterclass from a chelsea goalkeeper after all mindy had a great game he he did have almost a nightmare when he almost passed it into his own goal i mean i wish i did but apart from that he has been exceptional he is he was strong in the air he was commanding he made some great saves especially towards the end a magnificent rashford shot he managed he got a save on it as well so he deserves full credit for it mendy but i what i don't get is okay before i get into that ole didn't yes he might have taken it by surprise but i'm not I was very surprised when Ole did not change the game plan immediately after half time. I was almost boiling, you know, with frustration to see James back again. If he was a 19-20 year old kid, it's fine, you know, you can afford him time. But he's 20, he's turning 23 now. Rashford is the same age, and look at the difference. I know he's a young man. I think he needs to go on loan. He looks really devoid of confidence again. but uh, he brought in his changes too late and the what the word that's going out in the press right now van der beek didn't get a you know didn't get a minute in the game so lots of questions question marks on that as well but on the positive side it was good to see cavani in i think his first shot of pre- first touch of premier league was a shot on a goal and that was a clever little flick and that's what united has been missing a poacher number 9 a plan b or you know a authentic number 9 right so that was a positive thing to watch but apart from that uh, not really to be honest it is and like you said it was a drab nil nil game but at the end of the day i think united will be relatively happy both teams will be happy to be honest it is like both teams were setting up to you know play it safe and not come off without any point and I, i really don't understand why there's a lot of question marks asked over solja yes he, there were things he could have done better but i thought united did attack well towards the end chelsea went all out they bought 50 million they spent 50 million for werner world class striker they spent 80 to 90 million on havertz world class young potent potential they have pulisic one of the best young wingers in the world they have a bench strength and why did lampard set the team up like that I, it's amazing why there not questions as enough of lampard for that he there is nothing from chelsea attack to be honest it's pulisic was nullified to be to be fair united defense did keep them at bay but 
come on, Chai. I mean, I really think it's unfair to keep attacking Ole when Frank had it much worse with the team he has. Uh, I mean, first, I would like to disagree with one point where you said United deserved much more from this game uh, because I don't think you did. It was pretty much you wanted to set it up for a zero, nil nil, or a one one draw because there was a penalty which was being denied from Chelsea's point of view. And uh, Rashford had a couple of great. And uh, yeah, I totally agree with you on the point where Lampard deserved some bit of criticism because the way he set up with firepower he had. But we covered it in the past couple of episodes also, right? So we were talking how, you know, they were criticizing Chelsea's defensive uh, stability and how they were doing defensively a lot of mistakes, which led to some crazy goals. And Lampard set out game plans after that where he went with much more pragmatic lineup and much more defensive setups in order to prove that, you know, he can defend and get the results. Uh, that's what he did against Sevilla and that's what he did against United as well. And uh, he did not want to go to United like he did last time in Old Trafford where he went all guns basing with the lineup with the defense he had where United, you know, literally counter-attacked them like a prime Mourinho Madrid side and where you put four past them. So I thought I thought Lampard didn't want any of that to happen this time. But you should criticize both the managers, right? Because it's not like they are into this recycle, like, you know, the rebuilding phase in a short span of time. They have been doing this for one season or more than one season, for a matter of fact. And they have their players to, you know, go and do the attacking lineup. And also, when it is playing in home, what's the point of playing in home and not starting the likes of Pogba or, you know, Van, please Van de Beek? And uh, going much def- defensive. But... I thought Ole recovered from it and he changed it in the Champions League side and the formations, which we'll talk about more. But yeah, I think the criticism should go to both the managers for playing that way with the firepower they had. But uh, it is a bias, right? It is an English bias, which we talk about. Lampard gets much more leeway from the side, from the English media than Ole. And uh, I think, yeah, you, you summed it up because it was like both managers wanted to be safe did not want to take any risk and you know go with the little draw. So. Yeah, I uh, I agree. Um, it's it's like that. But to be fair, so the Pogba situation is like uh, so the first three games Pogba had some horrible horrendous performance and and he was coming on the back of no preseason and he was affected with COVID as well and he had some back problems when he was on duty with France as well. So. I think Ole did, he did admit that he made a mistake starting him so fast and he's just trying to face it slow. But like you said, he recovered magnificently in the Champions League, which we will cover later on. So it was a fair result, one point each uh, for Chelsea United. And uh, we'll see where both the teams go from here. But special mention to Chelsea, just because they have now kept three clean sheets in three or four games right now. So that's a full credit to them. I know they have been leaking goals a lot. So even a small clean sheet is going to be a big boost. It is kind of a big boost to United too because this is their first clean sheet of the season in the Premier League. But it's more for Chelsea with all their defensive problems, their goalkeeper situation. Uh, I think mm, credit goes to Frank as well in that sense because and it, it's, it was a great performance by Thiago Silva's right way. 
he was there right in the middle com- uh, commanding uh, the chelsea players his defense zuma you know so the, it's a, he did a very commendable job I, I, as far as i know he if it weren't for mindy he would have been my man of the match but for the game actually not just for chelsea so yeah we'll see where that both the, both the teams go from here yeah i thought both the center backs had really good game even maguire for all his criticism even like forget about the tackle or you know the chokes that he did for asblickota and except for that he had a good game as well yeah, so so did lindelof basically all the center backs had a great games that's it. that says a lot about the game to be honest and if i'm not yeah, wrong i think lindelof was given the man of the match so for me that basically summed it up so moving on from manchester let's go to london where arsenal took on leicester at home uh must must needed three points for leicester as the foxes beat arsenal 1-0 huge boost away from home against a so called top six club massive three points there for leicester especially seeing the inconsistent form they have been right now there some they face some shocking losses as well so what do you make of the game side you know it's one of those games where you get so frustrated as a fan that you close the match one like something up close the match and then you never wish that you see the game ever again uh, it's one of those game because right after you know wadi scored i just close the tv and i hope i forget whatever happened till now because he did not deserve to lose at all i thought lester were absolutely garbage and uh, in the first half like many people criticized dateta and everything after the game and i thought it was a bit reactionary because we started the game really well we scored a good goal which was ruled offside and uh, our game plan kind of worked yes there was something which was weird because we played both our midfielders you know bit stretched in the full back roles and they completely man marked party with two people out of the entire game uh, i thought their game plan worked and i don't think the game plan was uh, necessarily good because they, all they had to do was they wanted to keep the game at nil nil until uh, 70 minutes and hope wadi comes and you know takes on the tired legs of arsenal's defense and score and that's what exactly happened uh, we did get we did criticize arsenal a bit about their lack of creative uh, output and their shot making abilities they were not able to get good shots and uh, they were lacking it but, but i thought in the first half we did very well because we were able to isolate the lester to one part of side and we were able to do overlaps in the left side where tierney put in a couple of beautiful crosses uh, where like i said missed one open goal with right in front of the 6 yard box and uh, that would have totally changed the game because either the goal stands or this open goal would have totally changed the dynamics of the game and uh, that didn't happen we were very unlucky to go nil nil in the first half and defensively we were so stable we, we never let them you know even sniff a goal in the first half the only shot on target they had was a madison shot from almost from the half line where leno was totally away from the line but he had it under control and yeah that's that was very disappointing right after david luis got injured uh, mustafi coming in he knew something weird was going to happen and uh, mustafi's lack of pace and lack of positional abilities you know just opened the game because uh, body just carves open any defense in the uh, premier league let alone a defense with mustafi as a center back so yeah that's what happened i'm totally totally gutted the way the game went through uh, it's three point which we never should have lost and yeah uh, yeah totally frustrating frustrating game as well 
it it's tough when such games happen doesn't it because i i can understand frustration having gone through van gaal's and some of mourinho's games and david moyes matches it's just frustrating when you know the game should have been yours when the game was going in your way but suddenly out of, there's a goal from, from from for the opposition side out of nowhere and that's basically how leicester did operate all these years under renieri especially when especially at peak mares wadi time as well so leicester do have that habit of been uh, you know sucker punching the other team when the you know odds are against them it's kind yeah, of yeah i like for example the game against man city right that that looked to me like a much better planned game because they they had lot of great opportunities to go past man city because man city's defense was so weak that they did lose over lose but in this game they did not even have a sniff on goal till david luiz was there on the pitch once he got replaced with mustafi it completely opened the game and also uh, and then you obviously want to go for the goal to you know nick the draw or nick a win so it opens up a lot of space for someone like wadi so they got a lot of opportunities once we started to open up a lot so yeah that's one of those games where you absolutely did not deserve to lose but you did lose but i thought it was a good like you know opening eyes for arteta because he trusted his system of you know playing uh, bemang down the wings and now he realizes that he can't get the necessary output from bemang at that place and lacazet seems to be bit inconsistent when he is totally down on confidence because when he, if he had nicked the goal if the goal stayed he would have been on full confidence he scored the open but after that he just slumped and he just gave away the balls pretty easily so yeah the it he just admitted that he needs to play abameyang bit more centrally which i think is the best for the long run because we need that pacey front three to you know get those opportunities and score because of the lack of creativity so it's a good opening of eyes for the coaching system and the coaching staff uh, but it's just the learning you do on the way right you just it happens in the rebuilding phase it's just the something which we need to bite and you know take it in the chest i agree i hope whatever the problem is arteta does fix it because ever since he's signed the contract obamang hasn't scored and he's costing me fpl points so whatever happens arteta better fix something up at least get goals out of him Yeah, let's hope he starts the goal streak against United in the World Cup. Oh well, hopefully not. We'll see. Uh, next up, we'll just go to. We'll talk about another team which is in a bit of a crisis, which is Man City. They drew one-one against West Ham, and uh, what I thought was another lackluster performance by a City side. You basically you never expect a Pep Guardiola side to you know start this poorly when you know the same team had won two Premier Leagues in a row, right? Yeah, I mean, definitely, uh, it's not been a great start for City. It's been up and down. But leaving City aside for a second, I give like full marks to West Ham. I I did not see this coming, to be honest. I mean, Wolves, Leicester, fight a spirited performance against Arsenal, Spurs, their incredible comeback. Now City, West Ham are turning heads. It is not something I expected. It was a dogged. well deserved performance they did fight really hard and what what was that goal that is an amazing goal i felt ruben diaz should have done better there physically but antonio was strong enough to hold him off and for somebody who is not very particularly known for his finishing that was some incredible finish side 
Yeah, you put it perfectly because I thought Antonio is one of the key reasons why they are doing this well because he holds up the ball really well at that time. He bullies the centre backs and you need that kind of a like a rugged striker up front and he does the job pretty well. But after like once he got took off at the half time, their output de- decreased as well. That shows how much he is key to their attacking side. But yeah, full credits to West Ham though. They they absolutely deserved a point out of this game. I think and Moyes would take this brilliant start of the season after this, you know, or a fake summer break and whatever happened in the transfer market and his COVID crisis as well. Yeah, um, I definitely agree. Uh, coming to City uh, is a very interesting case because the, later on in the Champions League, the, they have, their defensive combinations were amazing. They had a really good defending performance. But then when you're coming to Premier League again, there's something so inconsistent about them. There, there's something that's... The thing, and there have been a lot of talks about whether Pep was unwilling to extend his contract. Uh, there were talks. There were... Basically, I think the biggest problem, yes, they're defending, defending, you know, there are some inconsistencies and there's always a shuffling of packs, but I think they're really missing Aguero. They really do miss a striker of his caliber. And I think Pep actually did admit that they were on the market for a striker. Somebody who was either similar to Aguero or Jesus or somebody different, like, you know, your classic number nines. He did say they were in the market and I think they will continue to be in the market for one. But I think more than defend, defenders, they were they are missing Aguero. They got so used to Aguero playing over the years that they are not able to get into the groove. Some days, some Premier League games, City is, you know, being City, being a pep side. But some days, like against West Ham, it was lackluster. There is nothing really. They did create some chances, but in the end, came out to nothing, to be honest. So, full credit to West Ham for neutralizing Pep uh, Pep and his team. So, well deserved one point. Yeah, and they do kind of miss Gabriel Jesus as well, because as much as we criticize Jesus for his finishing, he is a good striker. Uh, he is a good backup to Aguero. He kind of kept them whenever Aguero was missing due to injuries. And, you know, they kind of need someone there, because their entire plan revolves around playing Sterling and Mares at the wings. Now he has to switch in and play false nine, and his, his entire system changes, and that's where his problem starts. And it's very unlucky that Pep is going through an injury crisis despite of spending like so many millions into the squad. But yeah, uh, this needs a massive turnaround because Aguero is out for a long time, Jesus is out for a long time. So. Uh, let's see how City turns up uh, after this game week and where they go. Because I really thought they will give some good fight to Liverpool after their injury crisis as well. But looks like both the teams are going to injury crisis and it opens up the league completely. Completely, yeah, definitely. I mean, we have seen the we have seen Aston Villa play well. We have seen Everton. Everton did lose this week game week, but against against a very impressive Southampton side. May I add, but. They're still the top of the league. We both the Manchester clubs in the bottom half, even even though there's a game in hand. Chelsea, Arsenal struggling for consistency. Same with Spurs. Uh, so it's it's a really open league. Very interesting. This season is going to be probably the best in years, to be honest. So let's see what happens. Yeah. 
and now we'll quickly talk about spurs performance against burnley where you know it's kind of back to reality i would say for spurs they just had this bad game week because despite winning 1-0 against burnley where you know the usual suspects son and kane linked up to save uh, tottenham from another bad result and uh, they went on and lost to antwerp in their europa league as well and uh, it looks like spurs are back right like you know just at least back to normalcy um yeah uh, but to be fair if i have to be very honest the burnley game was sort of games that spurs usually lose last season they kept losing those games that the ones that you know they had to fight out for something that spirit was not there so you can see the shift in mentality already but it was a very like you said it's a very you know 50 50 game it, it could have been very easily a burnley been a burnley corner corner at the other end and you know chris wood or somebody is scoring the header not son and kane linking up again i mean talking yeah, about kane made some great defensive actions to you know keep spurs in the game as well i think he made a club a great clearance where it should have been a goal and you know and after some time he went on the other end and put an assist for spurs so, yeah uh no yeah i mean it hates to say this but i got to admit he is the best striker we have lewandowski's and benzema's but they're all round games i'm talking about yeah, yeah he offers much more in the build up than uh, lewandowski and benzema you know it's like you take uh, lewandowski's finishing ability and benzema's link up but in a much better way because kane's passing is absolutely outstanding Oh, yeah, definitely. He only is on eight assists, I believe. I think he's going for King's assist, isn't he, Sai? Only with eight goals, eight assists. Sorry, mm-hmm. his injury, like his injury is going to catch up, and it will save King's legacy for a while. I mean, he obviously can't touch King's legacy at in the, in the Premier League, but it is under threat right now. So uh, let's see where that goes, because I don't think his injury is going to sustain him for the entire season too. Break the twenty plus twenty. At least for barrier. But for Mourinho's sake, let's hope uh, he stays fit. And talking about Kane, same argument for Son as well. He is world world class. Basically, his finishing has been world class. He has looked a much better player. It seems like very. It's like they spend extra time on this just to develop this, you know, link up. Or when Kane gets the ball, he doesn't even look up. He just. Directly looks for where uh, the space where Son is likely to run, and as a sort of link up. Like, we discussed in the last episode as well, right? We yeah. told like we noticed where you know Son immediately starts running once Kane touches the ball and all. So yeah. yeah, you are absolutely right. This do comes from the training ground. Yeah, I mean that's incredible. But again, like you said, yes, they played a fringe team, but uh, they that is the sort of match they should have won against Antwerp. It was nothing game. I think Mourinho. He admitted that well, it it was shockingly poor. There was nothing really. The last shot on target. Was, they did not have a shot on target after 19 minutes, I think. Yeah, they shot it. And they, uh, they bought in yeah. all their attacking power after the half time. Yeah. So that says a lot about the performance. That was just poor. I mean, I think it's over for Delhi Ali. I think personally, it's it's done for me. He the he looks barely the player. in 2016 17 season i believe 18 goals from midfield that was that's not the delhi ali right now this is nowhere he looks like an average player you know who should be playing at mid table to relegation threatened clubs barely the player he is the, because 
it's disappointing to see because there's so much potential in him. He was supposed to be in you know, England's version of uh, Thomas Muller, and he was playing that way. But nothing's going wrong. Uh, nothing's going right. Is nothing's been going right for him for the last two years? And barely the player. I think they look to ship him off. And it's the, fine. You know how they say about Jose's old age technique of you know wanting to toughen up people. But there's only so much a manager can do. At after a point of time, you have to look for your look at yourself. What are you doing? And exactly, shocking performance. To be honest, sorry from Delhi Ali against Antwerp. And yeah, exactly. Because you know, even Mourinho in the press conference, even Mourinho in the press conference, he was telling the uh, reporters that you ask me why this player is not playing, why that player is not playing. Now you know the reason why they won't play after this or something like that. And this. Paraphrasing what he said, but it's very much aimed at Dele Ali, right? Because they ask where Dele Ali is, is he in the squad, is he playing, blah blah blah. But he just basically showed them, see, I played played him, I'm playing for the past couple of games, and he's not showing anything for him to be picked. So I I totally agree because he looked like an exciting young player uh, that looked to be a, like a good core for a Spurs side, but now he's no longer part of the core Spurs side anymore. Yep. Okay, so again, might be too early to call Spurs title challenges. They're not definitely not going to win the title, but they are going to push for top four. I think, to be honest, they will finish in top four. They just have to find that little bit of consistency that they are looking for, and little bit of defensive solidarity to maintain that lead. Especially with all the teams struggling with consistency, consistency right now. I think if they get that sorted out, and especially their new defenders look very promising. Rodon looks like really looks like a really exciting and bargain buy. So if they get that stability right, I think we are looking for a serious Spurs side. So we'll see what happens later on. For the sake of humanity, let's just hope they don't find the consistency. <laughs> so more crisis for Liverpool as Fabinho again got injured. So basically, Liverpool is playing with just one. Two, let's say, two uh, effective centre backs right now in Matip and Gomez. Not exactly the sort of confident defenders you want in a, you know, title defending team, isn't it, Sai? Ah, uh, yeah, it just caught up, right? Like you know, the we knew they were bit lucky last year because of the injury, and we we told them that like, the season is like totally open once Van Dijk got injured. But there was a little bit of hope that Fabinho can save the day. He he proved to be a good option at the centre back. He proved to be a solid guy to you know rely upon. But again, he gets injured once again, and uh, Klopp has another big headache in his hand right now. Now he definitely has to rely upon one of his youngsters, just like what happened a couple of years back when he had to rely upon Trent Alexander-Arnold uh, at right back, and that turned out to be an ex- exceptional decision. uh it just hopes he pulls off yet another thing like that in this crisis because if that's not happening then i'm pretty sure their season will it'll be too much to catch up for after some time i i don't know who they're going to catch up with but it'll be too much to handle at the later part of the season because once you lose a momentum for a title winning side that's pretty hard to gain right so uh this i'm not sure how long he's out because there have been reports that he is even out for uh, the now side from Brazil, brazil's games as well so it looks to be at least 3 weeks or 4 weeks i am not completely sure but that's a long time in this packed season so their champions league 
Grand is pretty good. They they might like they got six points out of six points, and they will go to the next round. But uh, in the Premier League, they need to keep afloat whatever they have right now. And uh, I don't know if Matip and uh, Gomez are enough. And I'm not sure if they have another Arnold-like player coming through their ranks to you know replace or not replace, just give them the cover in the centre-back pair. Yeah, I agree. I mean, even they do look fragile in all the games. To be honest, even against Sheffield, they had to make a comeback again, right? I mean, for all their attack attacking prowess, there's still there's something. I think obviously it's down to Van Dijk's injury again, but there is something that's similar to City in a way, but obviously not as bad as City, but still there's something shaky, fragile about Liverpool. So. Liverpool fans will be hoping club figures it out soon. Something soon. I'm I'm expecting them to be on the market again in January. That's in a couple of months, at least for a new centre back. So we'll see. So now we'll quickly talk about some interesting Champions League fixtures. We'll start with uh, you know what I would call a, a, another role is masterclass and Rashford's incredible performance at Old Trafford, where United won final against Leipzig. Uh, to be fair, I never really expected this game to be a final game. I knew United were going to win it, but I thought it's going to be a scrappy one or uh, some 2-0 or 3-2 kind of a game. But United completely dominated Leipzig, uh, both in attack and both in defence. I just asked our United fan what he thought of the game and how excited he is about United's Champions League mm-hmm. run. Very sorry. So, this is, this is a beef I have with Ole, right? If he is getting it right, he gets it right. He gets it properly right. It's a top level, like a proper masterclass, you say. Prana comes is he's not able to maintain that highs all the time. And it, when it when he goes the low, it's, it hits the lowest of lows. Unfortunately, against Leipzig, it's one of his highs again. Somehow, he seems to have a really good record against the big clubs. I mean, oof, I never expected the final either. Um, yeah, people will argue Leipzig will have a lot of had a lot of the ball and they kept pressing and you know uh, they kept attacking. But I thought United were never in trouble. I think De Gea had two shots to save the entire match. They defended brilliantly. I mean, full marks to Fred, Matic, Pogba. I think all three of them did well, good enough to control the midfield. I mean, some of Pogba's play. Now that he's not in a double pivot and he was pushed to the left-hand side of the diamond, he was exceptional. That is the world-class Pogba I want to see every game. And, you know, it raises his question mark. Does he, does he really want to, you know, play there in the double pivot? So, there are some... So, some of the moves he did, he, he was very smart about the passes he made because it was all press-resistant passes. And I feel... He can do that, but he should do it higher up the pitch, like he did against Leipzig. Against a double pivot, double pivot, they do. He doesn't have enough options to pass around, and so he often tends to lose position, danger races, and which leads to a goal threat. So I, but in this game, he was brilliant. He fed. He gave a brilliant assist to Mason as well. First Champions League game, first shot on target, first shot in the Champions League game, and. Out of all the people I know, I think it's after a long time that I've seen a player that, you know, if he goes on goal, I know he's at least going to get on target. And that's Mason Greenwood for me. It's incredible for a 19-year-old, 18, 19-year-old. That's amazing stuff that 
and i thought i thought everybody i can't really pinpoint and take out individual players because i thought everybody is brilliant van der beek was brilliant as well he kept the ball taking great in that number 10 hole slash four false nine i think marcial though he was frustrated a lot of times i thought he worked really hard he drew out fouls he held the ball well um, basically if there was any if i could pick out any weak point it was how united did not attack after a point and they had they kept waiting for a bit but i was just seeing the stat where if you at the beginning of this year there's a substitution where you know jesse lingard was going out and andres pereira was coming in and now it was van der beek going out and bruno fernandes coming in and that's the level of quality and the level that ole has taken us right now and bruno and rashford made an immediate impact i mean rashford is basically feeding kids off the field and feeding united with goals on the field incredible tenandrum performance everything he did was right and even cavani got into the act as well i thought he pressed well and he scored that was a great finish unfortunately offside but everybody contributed well and i'm really excited to see and i know i said i don't want to pick out any player but i'll give a special shout out to somebody i give a lot of stick to luksha i thought he was brilliant i think this is what competition does to you henderson to dahia cavani to martial tellers to shaw i thought shaw was brilliant i think it was some of the best crosses he has given in years actually and he was defensively very reliable and i thought it was a very solid performance by the entire team so i know people are saying this is a group of death and united is going to struggle but i see nothing but two out of two wins against last year's champions league finalist and semi finalist great start for united in the champions league yeah like i think uh, this rashford's hat trick is the last hat trick before like robin van persie's hat trick was the last before rashford's and also uh, as a substitute uh the only player to score a hat trick for united before rashford was your manager ole gunnar solskjaer so i thought that was a phenomenal cameo by rashford it will give a massive boost to his already like their confidence and uh, which he's going to take forward to the arsenal game which is very scary and yeah i think the diamond midfield worked very well and uh, it brought a lot out of all the players they were uh it brought a lot of out of matage because he need not run around the midfield and you know uh recover the ball because fred will do the job and pogba did not do the defensive contribution he needs to because fred will do the job and matage is there to you know calm it down in the pace and van der beek can freely roam around and do whatever he wants and uh both the strikers are up front centrally more to the pitch and that looks like a formation which united will carry on in the future right because that seems to bring hopefully, best out of every single one hopefully yes basically it's the entire thing again it's a conversation we've been having for four years now how to get the best out of pogba somehow we are able to get everybody else playing in but the diamond really brought out something different in pogba that's the pogba i want to see an attacking threat a defensively relatively reliable you know no pressure on him to you know dictate tempo he was brilliant the first half especially so it's again that uh, hopefully I'm seeing a lot more of the diamond these days, and I'm big fan with the midfield options we have. Number tens, the midfield options, uh, the number sixes, the number eights we have, along with our forward options. So I'm looking forward to it. To be honest, again we have Arsenal coming up, so it's the best chance to see how adaptable we are. Uh, like 
one player which I want to give a massive shout out to is Dave Dahaya because it looked like he didn't do anything at all. Like he looked like he didn't do much in the game. But if you ask me, he was one of the pivotal reasons you won both the PSG game and the Leipzig game because when they were attacking, when the other team was attacking, when the game was you know in the reach of the other team to come back, and it was one nil. Uh, he makes those crucial world-class saves which can completely change the momentum of the game. Even in the PSG game, he made a couple of brilliant saves to keep United still in contention and right after that, United punished them again. And even the Leipzig game, yeah, he made some brilliant save, one or two saves which was really crucial to, you know, keep United still in the game. And after that, it was just, uh, they United took it far away. So I thought the Hayas small role was pivotal to United's both wins as well. Definitely agree. I think his distribution has increased massive level. Somewhere along the way, you know, um, I think especially during Jose's uh, era, his distribution has started going erratic and wayward, but it's getting back again. He, he's an underrated passer of the ball and it was very evident during Van Gaal's time. And now it looks like he's coming up again. I think he's especially worked hard on it. So it's it's really good times for United. They just need to get that bit more consistency in the Premier League, but fantastic start in the Champions League. Yeah, let's talk more about United's consistency later in the preview. But for now, let's move on to uh, another interesting result where Barcelona went to Juventus and uh, pretty much dominated Ronaldo-less Juventus side and won comfortably at the end. And it seems to be a bit of a pattern in these Ronaldo sides, isn't it? Because it, it almost like they over rely upon Ronaldo that when once he goes missing, uh, it just doesn't work out for them. And also, they are into his new manager uh, management and they are in rebuilding phase, kind of. And uh, I don't think they had a good start to Syria as well. They got three points against Napoli, which they shouldn't have uh, because they didn't even play and uh, the coronavirus clashes happened. So, yeah. And their form continued here as well because I don't think they played particularly well. Barcelona had total dominance over them for the most part. The only highlight reel of Juventus game was Morata scoring a hat-trick of offside goals. But other than that, Barcelona seems to be totally in control of the game, right? Yeah, I agree. Um, definitely, towards the, especially towards the end, the second half, Barcelona was right at the top of the game. And they did start, both the teams kind of started bring it uh, bright, but I thought especially Barcelona, you know, I think, like we mentioned earlier, the, the intensity and the sharpness that they were missing in El Clasico was seen here. It was a much, much more, much better inspired performance from Barca. And um, I think within the first couple of minutes, they created three chances. So that was a great start. But Juventus did press hungrily. They kept attacking, they pressed high. And Barcelona was struggling to get out of their own half. But once they did, the first, I think one of the first times they did, they managed to score. So, I think Dembele, if I'm not wrong. So, I agree. It, it was Barca's game. And Ronaldo coming back will just cover over the cracks in, to be honest, the cracks in the squad. There's a lot of rebuilding to do. I think Juventus as a team has gone under the radar for the how much... Um, uh, you know, uh, rebuilding they have to go to. Yeah, they're unfortunate that Delict is still coming back from injury. Demiral is also coming back after a long-term injury. Bonucci is 
is an average defender for like last two three years now. Kelani is getting old. They need to replace them. I thought the new signings are pretty good. Um, the new signings are pretty good, and Morata. It's not the first time that's happening to a hat-trick of offside side. It had happened once to him uh, at La Liga as well, and that's the one thing that's irritating about him because there is talent there, there is something, and if you're running and you're caught offside, it's fine. He's literally standing in an offside position and making no effort to come back. That's just laziness, and that's just frustrating. And to be honest, even without the offside goals, he was still the best performing, one of the best performing player in the match for Juventus at least. Although to be honest, they were kind of not too many overachievers, but he did have some key passes. He did hold the ball well. He did sp- uh, spread the game, but. hat trick of offside finishes is just incredibly pathetic and once ronaldo comes back is going to get better but again it's just covering the cracks with paper it's not there's a pirlo has a lot of work to do and that's very evident from this game and uh, the barcelona had couple of positive things as well because uh, dembele i thought he had some of one of the good games in barcelona jersey uh, he was very good uh, in the most of the game and i thought pedri was an exceptional talent and he he looks like looks to be a steal of the barcelona summer we discussed this in offline and uh, also they missed a lot of chances a lot of easy chances griezmann fumbled a couple of chances but yeah as we talked about their core group it seems to be the core group seems to work really well because even ansu fati had a one on one which he missed and which is something unusual from his caliber which we set him up right now uh but yeah barcelona had a lot of positives to take away from this game but it's just disappointing that we never got to see the ronaldo versus messi this time but i hope to see this once more in camp now as well i hope so too i think we will see him because i think today fabrizio tweeted out uh, ronaldo has been tested negative for the coronavirus so i'm expecting to come back to training soon for juventus and special shout out to pedri i mean compared to the recent shambolic transfer that barcelona has made over the last couple of years this looks like a real bargain so he looks really talented extreme his touches were, were amazing there's no it is just very young kid and the confidence he shows in some of his passes and his vision and the runs he made i there's a real player in there and i'm just hoping it doesn't die out okay so for the final segment we are going to do our first match preview Uh, where our favorite teams go against each other so let me first start by asking neeraj what do you think united will line up um i i honestly the back four remains the same for me um i think it's going to be dahia again and shaw will start especially with his good performances and telles being out because of the coronavirus and maguire lindelof and van bissaka as well so i don't see any changes in the back five the midfield is where it gets interesting i think marcel is still going to serve his third match of the ban a uh, third match of his uh, ban so no um, marcel obviously so i'm expecting Ma- Ra- rashford and Mark, um, greenwood to start as well but this is where it gets interesting because uh, with arsenal preferring to i think arsenal might take a leaf out of chelsea's book i think they might go with a back three and which would mean they will try to overcrowd the midfield and i think playing with the diamond is not going to help this game to be honest because uh, 
all but it's actually kind of interesting i'm a bit confused because he can go any anyway and that's that's what i love, love about united's midfield right now there's so many ways he can go but i'm sticking to i think ole will stick to his 4231 i think pogba will go back to his pivot role or maybe scott and fred will start and pogba will go back to his super sub role for now but seeing that arsenal do tend to you know sit back a bit against the bigger teams i think uh, yeah i think i'll go with uh, fred and scott midfield two with uh, bruno as a number 10 rashford uh, the lineup i would want is cavani center rashford left and uh, mason right but i think it would be rashford center mason mason left and mata would probably start right to give in that extra you know extra creativity from the right hand side so that would be my preferred that would be my preferred united lineup in a 4231 yeah uh, i think okay that's actually a good lineup considering what your the points you mentioned but i think arsenal won't go that defensive in this setup because the only team which we went bit defensive and bit pragmatic was the games against liverpool and city because when we faced chelsea in the FA Cup final as well. We were never defensive. We were the one who were on front foot, and I don't think they even had a shot on target after, you know, their goal. So uh, we were a bit more attacking against United and uh, Chelsea. Even and the game against Emirates, uh, I thought we we played a good attacking football and we dominated United there. So I am expecting something out of that book, not something out of the Liverpool's book. So. i do believe that we will line up in a interesting formation where we will play three at the back but which, which is a hybrid system where we attack on four and that is considering the uh, defensive weaknesses we will have when the devil is just missing because we know that you can't trust mustafi that much so it will look like a three at the back but we will play attacking goal so i i'd obviously have leno in goal and the back three will be tierney gabriel and mustafi with both bellerin and i think bukayo saka will get a uh, game at the left uh, midfielder role uh, in the midfield i would have grand jaka and uh, thomas partey and up front i i think he will go with uh, you know obameyang in the left uh, like i said down the middle and pepe on the right but i do want him to go with you know a bit take a bit more risk and see uh, Uh, Reese Nelson, Aubameyang, and Pepe because that's a pacey front three which will cause some troubles to United's centre back. So uh, I think that's the lineup which I want him to go a bit more uh, pacey front three. But I do believe that he'll he won't drop Lacazette for this game because we, as much as we know Lacazette is inconsistent, he he does turn up against uh, big teams at crucial times. So I think that's the, my Arsenal lineup for this game. Okay, like 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 you said, I do expect them to go to back three. But thing is, the weakness with United is when they have the ball, right? It's not so much about them counter attacking. So I think I might disagree yeah, with yeah. the sense that I do think Arsenal will look to hit United on the on the counter. I do think they will. Yeah, surely, surely counter will be a tactic. I'm not disagreeing with that. But I'm just saying to have. Uh, it's just going to be hybrid system, right? It's not like. Yeah. we are playing a three center backs in the three at the backs lineup so that's where people get it wrong people just say arsenal play three at the back arsenal are very defensive blah 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 but 
you closely look at it, it's just a three at the back when you are defending because most of the teams defend compact and the way we do is we do with uh, left back coming in and left wing back giving them support. So that's what we do. But uh, I uh, okay, let's do it as an expression. So how do you expect the game will go? Like what do you think the both managers will try to do? So I think United will go for the win. I think they do need the three points. I mean, they after the initial kickups of you know my lack of match sharpness, match fitness, and they've been struggling for results. They're slowly coming to the groove, and especially after the Leipzig result, they must be high in confidence. But when for some reason whenever I face Arsenal, I never count form into the uh, into the picture because last time we just beat PSG, uh, Ole's first you know. First miracle in Paris. We were in great form, and we went to Emirates, where Arsenal was not in a great form, and we ended up losing two nil. So, and it has happened over the last few years. So, against Arsenal, I don't really take form into account, but confidence level will play a role because they just beat two top European teams, and that confidence will definitely be there. But how much they'll be able to keep up, keep this up? We uh, we should see. I expect an end-to-end st- game. I think it's going to be a really exciting game and not like how United Chelsea turned out to be. Yeah, uh, I think the game will pretty much go how you mentioned because I don't think we will be mostly reliant on a counter-attack because when we are pretty comfortable with the ball and with Partey coming in the side, we do have this midfield stability. And when you give Partey some time there. Uh, I think it mainly comes down to the battle of midfield, Fred versus Partey, I would say, yeah. because that's where you know who's going to dominate the ball and who's not going to dominate the ball. And if I'm, if I think Partey will win the battle, uh, and uh, he might dominate the ball for the most part. And uh, so the main problem is that we do struggle to beat low blocks, right? So when if United defend very compact and very low block to return, it is on the counter. It's going to be a lot of problem for us because we do not have that personnel right now. We do not have that creative midfielder to you know give us the edge in that side. But I do expect us to have most of the ball in this game. And uh, uh, United, as you mentioned, will try to get the win. So they will try to attack. So it's going to be an end-to-end game. And our midfield battle will be a bit superior. So I think that's the reason why we will have a slight edge in this game. Interesting, you say the midfield battle. It's it's like this. It's very key. I think midfield battle is something that we have to look forward to. But I will have to disagree there because uh, yes, you have Thomas Partey. I think he is a lot better than both of both of the defensive midfielders we have combined. But the options we have, the alternates we have, we can always bring on Matic or. We can always change things up, go back to a diamond with Van der Beek. And that's where I think United scores over Arsenal. No matter how much we have failed in the transfer market, our bench finally looks like a top bench. There are so many options you can explore. And I think if on form, United midfield is probably one of the best in Europe in the sense that they have cover for each position, except maybe DM, but that can be covered by Fred or Scott. And they're all different type of midfielders. So for any different system, you have a personal for that. And that's where I think United scores ahead of Arsenal. So if, let's say, Fred and Scott do not manage to, you know, able to get over or dominate over Partey and Zaka midfield, 
uh, I expect Ole to change. I'll I'll probably expect uh, Matic to come in and allow Fred to push forward to make it into a four-three-one-two diamond, or I'll expect Pogba to come in very quickly. Or since Arsenal do like to defend deep, and Arteta is very keen on being organized, that's where a player like Van der Beek comes in, where you know he's so smart and intelligent with his movements that he can drag people out of the positions. So I think that. Variety in our options in the midfield is going to play a huge role in the match, in our coming match. To yeah. be honest, and even if one doesn't work, I think Ole, I I hope he does. But if when he does decide to change, he can always change it up just like that. And we have a good bench yeah. option too. And obviously, our defense uh, is doing really well right now. So I'm confident about the game. Yeah. Talking about the defense, United defense, I think. The main reason why we won last time against uh, United at Emirates was our press. We did press really well at that game, and uh, that's very early into Arteta's reign. So, with that limited amount of uh, training sessions and his stamp of his style, uh, that press really worked against United because they were a bit struggling a bit to you know move the ball out of the defense. Yeah, I totally agree because uh, you did not have those kind of midfielders in the game. uh to you know hold the ball in the midfield so that that is totally different now so i'm not going to compare that to this and say that will be the reason why we win but that that should be interesting to see how we press uh mcguire and lindelof because uh, we know they might be a little bit susceptible to you know a good pressing teams so that that should be another reason uh, why there might be an edge between two teams so uh that's the thing which i like i'll have close eye on Yeah, definitely. I you you did raise a do you do raise a really good point, and I I would have agreed with you to be honest. And I I saw towards the end of last season against Southampton, and then against Chelsea in the FA Cup, and against Spurs in that humiliating defeat. But what I saw against Leipzig has given me much more renewed hope because that was one thing that fear uh, that I was very fearful of in the, in that game. How will United deal with the high press? and they did they did really well against uh, against uh, nagelsmann's high press and that's giving me much confidence going ahead to arsenal game so very tight game to very time to game to call and it's again comes down to the midfield all it takes is one breakaway from united to get in get in behind arsenal defense with the pace they have up front by and at the same time at the back I mean, Aaron Van Bissaka is obviously being amazing. Uh, both the centre backs have looked solid as well, and Dakar looks like he's gaining back confidence. So I'm very confident about this game. It could it could go any way, to be honest. But I think United can nick three points from this. Okay, so let's do that finally. So let's make our predictions. I'll ask you first. So what do you think is the score line will be? it's it's tough to predict the close line do i do i have enough confidence to go for a clean sheet uh, maybe maybe not i'll probably go with the 1-2 for united okay so i think this game is going to be bit interesting so if you are asking me to be really honest after the leipzig game i did not think we even had a chance against united because we looked so bad in attack and uh, it would be very difficult to break that united diamond and you know get a result out of it but the one thing which i saw against dundalk was that 
okay yeah totally agree that it's dundalk and we should not even consider that performance when compared to united but the one thing which i found interesting is that we had uh, a bit more attacking patterns we passed the ball into the half spaces and you know we started to drive the ball from there and that looked to a bit more positive in the attacking sense so if we implement that kind of an attacking football i do think we can nick a result out of this game my heart says that uh, my, i mean my heart says we we need a win so uh, as an arsenal fan i'm not going to go against arsenal at any point of time so i'm going to be a bit more super optimistic i'd say and go for a 3-1 arsenal win but if i'm being really honest i do see signs of this being a good 2-2 draw so i don't know i'm just going to predict a 3-1 arsenal win even that is very optimistic side 3-1 yeah totally but yeah uh, let's say i am 51% on 3-1 arsenal and 41 49% on a 2-2 draw because we did draw for the last couple of times when we went to old trafford i guess so yeah. let's see where it goes yeah let's see it looks going to looks like it's going to be a cracker of a game hopefully we get ah, yeah i hope for it let's not get another bore fest this time so let's yeah. see so guys we have come to the end of the episode me and sai had a quite a bit of fun talking about you know all the matches that happened the big games in the premier league in our el clasico and surprising results from the champions league as well we are we are having uh, we are looking forward to a great game week in the next coming weeks and especially you know with arsenal taking on united head on and it's something i'm quite looking forward to because the next episode i guarantee will involve banter i don't know from whose side but from one of us at least so stay safe people hope you have a great fun of a great week of football and thanks and stay safe